G'day friends, welcome back. You know what I'm going to talk about first. You know you do. Let's get into it. lifespan of a ring-bearing hobbit. That's what they lost by. 111. 111 points. When when a team loses like this, so catastrophically, there isn't... Like, like, I mean, I've never been at a football club, but when they sit down and do the review, I don't even know where they could possibly begin. I feel like this is the kind of loss that it is it'd be such it'd be so time consuming to actually dissect all the issues that they won't even bother. Maybe there's something glaring that they might address, otherwise they just move on to this week. Because hundred and eleven points where like the the Bulldogs who by the way, are brilliant. They are brilliant. They are my favourite other team by a long way. I love how they're going about it. They are just like a... They're an awesome team to watch. They are absolutely flying. And them versus Melbourne on Friday night is going to be the best game of the year, surely. Um, Yeah, I love how the doggies are going. But... The way that St Kilda just allowed them to do whatever they wanted. Whatever they wanted. Like, St Kilda couldn't really get it past halfway at all. As evidenced by how many goals did we kick for the day? Five. Five goals. And they kicked 21. They didn't just kick 21, they kicked 21 18. That's 39 scoring shots. And we had eight. That is alarming, actually. That is alarming. Um, yeah, like, see, there's that many things that went wrong, I don't even know what to talk about. Something I do want to talk about, actually, is something that worries me a little bit. Like, one of the options for things that are the reason that everything's going wrong is the coaching, right? Are, are the coaches just not... Up for it? Is the game plan wrong? Can they not, you know, get the players prepared for each, you know, is it the coaches, right? And I was thinking about Rats. Like, is is Rats the man? Is he not? Is it the assistant coaches? We don't know. One thing I do know, or what I've noticed about Ratten, is that I think he lacks 
game day creativity. And what I mean by that is that he, from what I've seen, he is very rarely interested in moving the magnets around during the game. When it got to three-quarter time and we were 75 points down and nothing was working, nothing, I don't know who wouldn't just try and do something completely different, right? Like, I'm sure they had tried to change things up a little bit when we started to get smashed, but it was so clear that literally, if that like, that is not the point where you go, no, I'm going to stick to my guns. I know we have a good game plan and we're going to stick to it. No, that that is the time where you change things up. Even just just an idea that you had as you were going to bed one night and you go, oh, I'll never have the chance to try that. Here's your chance to try it, right? Here's your chance to try Max King at center half back. How about that? Because he had six touches for the entire game and his development is being ruined because St Kilda aren't playing well. Ben King is flying because he's getting the ball. Right? Max King is not receiving the ball at all from his teammates. Like We've been smashed, what, five times or four times this year and he just hasn't been sighted. Like... Six touches for one behind from Max. Like, put him somewhere where he's actually going to get the ball. Even, like, you don't even have to swap him with anyone. Have him be the extra man behind the ball. Norton kicked five goals. Would have been handy if there was someone else, you know, to sort of stop him from getting the ball all the time. Someone who's as big as he is, like Max King, right? Or just, just anything. Like, they gave up on the Geary Caleb Daniel tag pretty quickly. I don't know why. It didn't work after, like, a quarter and a half. Like, give Gears a go. Like, he's, he hasn't played since the semi final. Like, come on. Um, like, I don't know what. Like, put Higgins in the middle. That's what all the talk was about with him in the offseason. Oh, he's going to be in. He wants to be a midfielder. He's going to play middle. Put him in there. See if he can do it. Like, just, just sticking with the exact same thing that is being demolished makes absolutely no sense. I, and But I don't even know if it's that. I don't know if it's the coaching or if it's just the players. Are the players not at all motivated to, to play football or play football well? I don't know. Because some some days we turn up and some days we do not turn up. And it is so ridiculously frustrating to not have any idea how your club is going to perform on any given day. Like, like there are clubs who have a lot of history and have an amazing culture. Like clubs like Sydney, right? Yeah, they're not up the top all the time. But every single week you know that they are going to have a crack. Because they have that culture, that the bloods, the culture, you know? They are always going to have a crack. And look how quickly they've turned it around. They're back in the top eight after like a year and a half of being down the bottom, right? Whereas St Kilda, like, where our list is at, suddenly 
is a bit scary. We looked like we were prime, like top four prime, right? All these players between 26 and 28, like, looking really good. All of a sudden, this year's gone. Paddy Ryder's another year older. Geary's going to retire. Frawley, you know, we don't know yet, but, you know, maybe bringing him into the club is a bit of a waste of time. Carlisle seems to be done, not going to play another game. Like... You know, and, and all those players who are, like, Brad Hill's another year older, wasted year. Crouch, another year older, wasted year. You know, Rowan Marshall is going to spend more than half the year injured. And he'll be, like, he's, he's only played 50-something games and he'll be 25 or 26. Like, just... A year is not a long time in football, but it also is a long time in football. And for a club who looked like they were ready to strike to to waste a year is so it's unforgivable and not just wasting a year like if we'd finished you know eighth and lost our first final that's not really a wasted year it's still you know it's something but the way we're going we're going to finish bottom six and yeah whoop-de-doo we're going to get an early round you know, an early draft pick, but, and, and it brings me to another thought, the list management for last year, yep, good, we brought in Higgins and Crouch, excellent, but then the depth players that we brought in, McKernan, Wood, Frawley, he's he's probably still going to be okay, I'm not, you know, he's only played a couple of games, and he hasn't done anything terrible yet, so Frawley's going okay. But McKernan and Wood, mainly, have, have been next to useless. I think Wood's been played in the wrong position, so it's hard to be critical of him. But McKernan is a horrible footballer. He can't take easy chess marks. That shot on goal that he had in the first quarter was the ugliest thing I've ever seen until Ryan Birds had a shot on goal 10 minutes later, and it was somehow worse. Um... But the list management last year, like the players we delisted, Nick Hind, look how, I mean, he wasn't playing like that last year, but still, Nick Hind, gone, Shane Savage, gone, Ed Phillips, could have been a really good player, gone, like just, you know, we, we kept our best 22 relatively intact, but it's those it's the it's the twenty three to thirtieth players who are very, very weak at St Kilda, or they're injured, right? Hanabry don't even get me started on the enormous potential waste of money Dan Hanabry could be by the time he's finished. You know, Zach Jones is such a good player, perpetually injured. Like, is that the reason we've been terrible this year? We've been hit by injury. I don't know. It shouldn't be. A list should be... That's why you can have 40 players, 45 players on a list, because you get injuries, right? It happens. Lists should be built in such a way that, you know, even if you do have eight or so 
pretty serious injuries at different times throughout the year. You should be able to handle it without your form taking such an enormous hit. Um, and St Kilda have maybe it's all of the above, and St Kilda is failing, not just on the field but off the field in every way imaginable. Maybe that's the reason, and we won't just finish bottom six. Maybe we'll finish bottom four or bottom two. Who knows? Still, we're not even halfway through the year yet, so it could get worse. It could get better. Who knows? I don't think it's going to get better. <laughs> I don't. Um, but yeah, it's 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 nice to have the pressure taken off of the season now. I can relax until March. No, nothing good's going to happen. Um, but yeah, it's it's now up to. I really think it's up to Brett Ratton, Jack Steele, and Jaron Geary to fix this. They are the three. You know, they're the head of this club. The three of them, so they got to fix it. I don't care how they fix it. I don't care. Just they gotta fix it, and it doesn't mean it doesn't mean we have to suddenly win every week, but we need to come with the same level of effort, effort every week, and win a little bit more, and not get beaten by fifty, seventy, or excuse me, fifty, seventy, eighty, hundred points. That's what our big thrashings have been. So. I'm really sick of it, really, really sick of it. And, you know, this is a very measured reaction. If there was different St Kilda supporters who had their own podcast, it'd be a lot more graphic and a lot more demonstrative. But, you know, I, I'm, I have this calm rage. Calm just because, you know, it's just, it got to the point of absurdity on Saturday night. Like, I wasn't even angry by the t- by the end of the game. I was just like, this is ridiculous. Like, it, it just gets to a point where it's it's more shocking than disappointing what is happening. And that's what it was. It was more just, well, I was blown away by how bad we were. And I don't know what it'll take for the players to understand that, but... They didn't just lose by an enormous margin. It, it is remarkable that a professional sports team can perform like that. Especially one who, you know, was in the top six the year before. Like, it's remarkable. Anyway, that's enough about that. The doggies were very good. I did say that before, but the doggies were very, very good. Oh, and just one more thing. I think whoever takes the stats at the AFL needs to have a bit of, you know, they need a tune-up because I was looking at the stats. I was trying to figure out if any St. Kilda players were any good, and there was a couple, but I was looking at tackles, and I wanted to see if anyone at St. Kilda hadn't laid a tackle, and there was only one who didn't, and it was Tim Membry, at least according to the stats. But then I was, you know, just, you know, looking at some of the footage, and when... Adam Trelaw hurt his ankle. The man who tackled him was Tim Membry. So I don't know if that didn't count as a tackle. It looked like a tackle to me. Um, but yeah, I thought that was a bit odd. Anyway, moving on. The next, well, not the next game. The first game of the round was Richmond versus Brisbane. And Brisbane got them. Richmond are now outside the eight. And guess where they are? They're in ninth. 
No. Richmond, look, I'm not going to count Richmond out of this premiership race until they have been eliminated from the 2021 season. Until they're no longer playing games, I will not rule them out as a premiership contender. Very, very serious about that. But Brisbane were just, Brisbane were too good for them. And, you know, now that they're up against a very, very good side, their injuries started to show. And it's going to happen. Like Brisbane, up in Brisbane is a hard task for anyone. But, you know, a team that's missing pretty much its entire midfield is going to have a really rough time. Um, The most interesting thing out of this game is that Brisbane have finally taken a team approach to stopping Dustin Martin, and not just Dustin Martin, specifically his don't-argue stiff arm, right? He's been doing that for years. He, it's, it's become his own thing since about 2015, 2016. That's when he really started to perfect it, right? When, when it became like a household name, the Dusty Don't Argue, it's Dusty Stiff Arm, whatever, I always wondered, why don't they just like chop it? As he sticks the arm out, just chop it down. And like the reason my mind went there is I have a martial arts background. I did Taekwondo growing up. So my instinct when someone shoves their hand into my chest would just be to, you know, block it away. And it's not as easy as it sounds. It wouldn't be as easy as it sounds going against Dusty Martin because he's a very strong man. But players don't even attempt it. They try to, like, grab onto his wrist and he just yanks it away. But what did Brisbane do? They chopped away at the arm. Like, the Mitch Robertson one was just... His strength, he grabbed onto all of Dusty and didn't let him get away. That was fine. But there was a few others. There was three or four others who were able to defeat the don't argue, tack- the don't argue shove from Dusty by chopping away at his arm and then tackling his body. And I was so wrapped that someone's... Fu- like, imagine that, like that as a team, they've sat down and practiced this which I think is so interesting. And it's actually, it's paying a lot of respect to Dusty that there was, you know, a concerted team effort to stopping one aspect of his game. Like, it shows you what a a remarkable player he is and how much he is respected and feared by the opposition. Um, this, This is quite a good game. It's about sort of the margin that I expected, like, Brisbane at the Gabba is very different to the Giants at the MCG. Very different. And Richmond only just got over the line against the Giants. So Brisbane were pretty much not guaranteed, but I was very confident that Brisbane were going to get them, and they did. Um, One other thing that I'll mention was Madden's goal for Brisbane it's only his, I believe, his second game, the Irishman, and it's his first goal, and it was an amazing goal. He showed off his speed, he, you know, ducked between a couple of players and kicked a great goal. But watch the goal, specifically just the, the, the 10 steps in the lead-up to the goal. Watch it again, because he, he does the tiniest little, tiniest little shake and bake. He just, it, it's very, very, very minute, but he just... 
little shake and bake, and I believe it's Jaden Short who is running at him, just about falls over because he's so like because Madden's running so fast, and the tiniest little movement, Short reacts to it, and he just nearly he nearly falls flat on his face, which is pretty impressive from a second gamer to be able you know to have that you know level of skill while running at really high speed. So that was a really good goal. It was a pretty good game, but yeah, like I said, it pretty much went how you would expect. Uh, the next game, Saturday early game, was Carlton defeating Hawthorne again. A game that you'd pretty much expected to go the way that it did. Hawthorne uh, just, I think, honestly, come the end of the year, they'll be the team that's second on the bottom. Because they are just nowhere. They're, they're, I said this a few weeks ago, but they got no really exciting youth and they're, you know, they're more experienced players and not doing anything exciting either. So they're just a little bit lost, Hawthorne. They're going to pinch a win here and there every now and then, but yeah, even teams below them have, have beaten them, as we saw North Melbourne do last week. So... Yeah, they're in a bit of strife, Hawthorne, but because they are who they are and Clarko is who he is, they're not really going to get any heat for it. If it continues into next year and Clarko is still there, then I think they will start to come under some scrutiny. Um, Carlton. Carlton needed to win this game, and they did. Pretty much as simple as that. I want to talk about Sam Walsh for a second. I think that Sam Walsh should probably be... No, he, he doesn't... I'm not saying he deserves to be. I'm saying he probably is the front runner for the Brownlow medal right now. So he had another good game against Hawthorne. 30 touches, kicked a goal. The reason I think he'll be leading is because there's no one else in Carlton's team except for maybe Harry Mackay or McKay, whoever, depends where you come from, who could be taking votes off him. Cripps hasn't been very good this year so far. He was actually quite good on the weekend, but up until that point, he had not been great. Compare Carlton to... Sorry, compare Sam Walsh specifically to Petrarca and Bontempelli and, you know, even Dusty. Like, they are all surrounded by players in their team who are going to take votes off them. Even Cam Guthrie, right? When, you know, he's in the midfield with Duncan and Menegola and Selwood and Dangerfield when he's playing, how's he going to win a Brownlow? How is Bontempelli going to win a Brownlow when he's got Liberatore and Trelaw and Smith and McRae, who I actually think will pole higher, but when he's got all these other guys around him who are going to be taking votes off him? How is Petrarca going to win? Or Oliver when they're taking votes off each other? Like, it's, it's not a good recipe to win the medal when you've got a star-studded team. A good recipe for winning it is to be the standout player in a team that finishes, you know, sort of between 14th and 7th. Just about. Right? Fife has done it a couple of times. Right, Frio finished sort of around the middle of the road. He's won a Brownlow, right? I believe Matthew Prittis also did it. I think Eagles did not finish 
super high of the year that he was. Was that the year they made the grand final? Ooh, it might have been actually. I'm going to eat those words. Anyway, it is a good way to win a Brownlow medal. Finish around the middle of the ladder, get enough wins that you get noticed, and be the standout player in your team. Just saying. Okay, the next game was uh, Geelong and Gold Coast. Again, like, th- this is a really, really good round of football, but most of the results kind of were what you would expect. Um, Gold Coast actually kicked their way out of this one a little bit. Like, if, if they'd been kicking straight in the first half, they would have been not only in this game, they would have been in front. Like, Geelong is a tough assignment anyway, but it's made it even harder when you're not kicking straight, as St Kilda learnt last week. Um, to only go down by 34 points in the end is actually not a terrible result. Obviously, they want to win, but you know, to not get completely decimated by Geelong in Geelong is not a bad result for Gold Coast. Um, Gold Coast is still just a little bit lost themselves. They're, they're missing... They've got a good list now. They're missing something in their execution that's going to make them move up the ladder. They haven't found it yet. Don't know what it is. Um, and Geelong, you know, they just got the win they needed to. Pretty. They're now. They're now third. I think. They're third. Yeah, they're third. Wow. Just everyone's talking about the Bulldogs and Melbourne. No one's worried about Brisbane and Geelong, who are right behind them. Um, Geelong are going really well, and Dangerfield will be back after the bye, so they are going quite well. I'm just going to talk quickly about the Nick Holman-Mitch Duncan tackle. That is a perfect, perfect tackle. There should be no debate around this. You know, Gold Coast should actually be issued an apology for having wasted their time, because it's going to be thrown out, that, you know, that suspension, the two weeks for Holman. Because there's absolutely nothing that he could have done to have protected Duncan's head. Yes, we absolutely want to protect the player's head, but sometimes there's just accidents. It just happens. Some things are unavoidable. Right? If a player does their ACL getting tackled, you're not going to suspend the player who laid the tackle. Like, sometimes accidents just happen. It's a shame but that has happened, and it was a perfect tackle. We don't want to discourage players from laying tackles, for goodness sake. Um, that's all I'll say about that. I think everyone is pretty much in agreement. The Lockie Plowman one's a little bit different. Um, he probably gets a week for that. I would say it's not quite as bad as the Dangerfield one from round one, but yeah, he probably still gets a week. Anyway, moving on to the best game of the round, probably the best game of the year, actually, was the Adelaide-Melbourne game. Adelaide defeating Melbourne by one point, giving them their first defeat for the year. Who would have thought this was going to happen? And who would have thought it was going to happen in such spectacular fashion? Wowee. Like, there were so many things going on. Obviously, Adelaide winning the most remarkable but then there was the whole finish with the free kicks not being paid and all of that they were like how Melbourne were 16 points in front with like five minutes to go and Adelaide still won there's the fact that Melbourne still lost even though Clayton Oliver had 38 touches and you know, 
only seven of them contested or something and ten tackles and three goals, something like that. Like that, that is an insane game. That is a remarkable performance. Those numbers. Those numbers are crazy. Um it, it was it was like it, it was the perfect like all round representation of our game. It was amazing. It was an amazing game to watch. And as the game went along, you became more and more invested because as you know, as the game went on and Melbourne didn't kick away, you're like, gee, we are Adelaide, you know, you know, they're gonna be in this right until the end. And it just got more and more exciting and then, you know, with a few minutes to go, Melbourne kicked a couple and got out to sixteen points, like, oh yeah, that'll be it. They've done what they had to now, but then Adelaide, Adelaide this is how you win. Effort. This is how you win if you're a young side. Effort is everything. Effort is everything for all sides. You, you, you're never gone. You keep, you know, you dig in. Taylor Walker kicks two goals in that last little, you know, patch. Darcy Fogarty kicks another. Like, amazing game. Amazing game. Like, you can't even, not even going to dissect a whole lot of it because it was just awesome. It, so far, this is the game... I would recommend most if you're just going to pick one game to watch this year. And the end, when the siren goes, that Adelaide crowd who have been largely starved of victories for the last year and a half, what a moment for them. And Taylor Walker right there just runs into the crowd and gives some guy a hug. And and I don't know which player it was, but one of the players just kicks the ball into the crowd. Like, that's, that's one of the best moments of the year so far. That was amazing. Amazing. All right. Um, the next game was the Saints game. I've covered that already. Uh, what was the other game happening at the same time? Oh, it was the Fremantle-Sydney game, which was another awesome game. Like, of, like there's so many stories again, right? So Nat 5 kicks the winning goal after having kicked, like, two goals, 16 for the entire year. He hasn't been able to kick straight at all, but when it mattered the most, he kicked perfectly. Franklin kicks six and just gets that little bit closer to the 1,000 goals. Rory Lobb finds some form. He kicked four. Like, this was just two exciting young teams going at it. It was bloody excellent to watch. And... You know, I'm pretty sure it was Ollie Florent for Sydney who had the opportunity to kick that ball inside 50 for that very, very last play, and he just didn't kick it to the right spot. That, that's a really good learning opportunity for him. Like, he went long to the goal square, which is, the, you know, it's the smart kick. It's not a terrible option, but he had two teammates free 40 metres out from goal. That's That's the option to go, especially when you know that there's not much time left in the game, you, you've got to, you know, play the percentages, as it were. So he'll learn from that. He's still a young player. If he's ever in that situation again, he will make a different decision. All right, moving on to the Sunday games. The Sunday games. GWS and West Coast. I changed my tip for this game three times. My gut instinct was to go GWS. I was like, they've been playing well. 
West Coast don't play well away from home. You know, it was my gut feeling. And then I was like, oh, but Toby Green's out. He's been, you know, super, super important for them. And West Coast have a couple of really good ins. Oh, gee whiz. You know, are West Coast going to start to shake their form away from home? I don't know. So I changed my tip to West Coast. And then about 20 minutes before the game started, I was thinking about it again. I was like, you've been watching football for a long time, Joel. You should tip with your gut, especially when it's a 50-50 call. Tip with your gut. And I'm glad I did. Well done, GWS. They're now in the top eight, by the way. Somehow... The Giants are in the eight and Richmond are not. Um, and the way they're going, they might stay there, the Giants. Like, they're, they're playing really great football. They're not doing the fancy stuff like they were doing when they were the Ferrari or whatever. They're just playing tough, gritty football and they're winning. Winning, they're winning. They've, they've had so many injuries this year. They've got no Green now. They've got no Canelio, to name just two. They're playing. They've won. What have they won? So they lost. I think they lost their first two, and then they've won six out of their last eight. I think that's right. Yeah, something like that. But they they have been. Remarkable, GWS, and you know that they, if they can stay in the eight, and even do some damage in finals, that will be the story of the year, and that will prove to other teams in similar positions that it can be done. You can doesn't injuries, if you play it right, don't really matter. It's about effort. And, you know, a good game plan, good structure. And having self-belief, confidence. That's what it's about. The Giants prove that. And the Eagles, they play a completely different brand of football away from home. I don't understand it. When they're at Optus, they they do what not many other teams want to do. They want to possess the football. They want to kick, mark, kick, mark. Just chop, like chip it around until they can find a way through to Kennedy or Darling or Allen and kick a goal. Right, that's what they want to do. But sometimes, for some, for some reason, excuse me, for some reason, away from home, they can't do that. They are denied almost every time. The only team they've beaten away from home is Hawthorne at the MCG. I don't know why they are so... Because they're, they're a very good team, very professional outfit. But for some reason, they can't figure out how to win in this state. And it's going to be a problem come finals because they're going to have to play some games interstate. You know, they may have to play all of their games interstate. Who knows? But they're going to have to play there at some point. If they even make the finals. They should because they'll win all their games at Optus. Or most of them. But, uh, yeah, they they got to deal with this at some point. This cannot go on for the rest of the year, for sure. 
Another reason I changed my tip back right at the end there was that I remembered Shane Mumford was back in the team, the enforcer. The man they do not win without, do not lose with. And what does he do? He lays a bone-crushing tackle. I think it was on Tim Kelly. He squished him. That's what he's there for, and I love it. Okay, the next game was just about the strangest game of the year. It was Port Adelaide defeating, who did they play? Collingwood by one point at the MCG in a very low scoring game. But in the end, it was 58 to 59. Eight goals 10 to eight goals 11. When I tuned in to check the score for this game, it was, I think it was just after, well, it might have been just before three-quarter time. I was like, there is no way that that is the score. There is no way. But yes, somehow Collingwood, it's Collingwood or another team who, who are not very interested in playing a very fast, high-scoring game. And they dragged Port Adelaide all the way down to their level, didn't they? They like lots of stoppages. They don't like to move it on quickly. And poor Port Adelaide got sucked all the way into that, didn't they? And that's the game that we got. Um, Very unexciting. Collingwood probably should have won this game. They were 25 or so points in front at one point. Um, And they just couldn't hang on. Port Adelaide, too good. Um, it's not how Port would have wanted to go about this game, but, you know, sometimes you just got to, you know, do what you got to do. They had to play with the cards they were dealt, is a good way to say it. Like, in terms of, you know, the whole Collingwood situation as well, like, the, the, it's a good performance from them. Like, to go toe-to-toe with, you know, one of the best teams in the comp, and to only go down by one point is good. Is good. It'll, it further alleviates the pressure from Buck, from Buckley, which is really good. Um, Port Adelaide need to be doing better than this. I, I think now we can remove them from the list of teams that can win the Premiership this year. They're, they're welcome to get themselves back on that list. But for now, just the, the way they've been going the last couple of weeks, losing to the Dogs, which might have been the week before last. No, it was last week. Losing to the Dogs, and then only just, just, just beating Collingwood. Um, it's not great. It's not great. They're, they're, they're not on the level of Melbourne, Dogs, Geelong, and Brisbane. Um, not by a good way, actually, if you ask me. Um, but they can return to that level. If they really, you know, put their heads down and get to work, they can definitely do it. But for now... They are well off, that that top four pack of teams. All right, and then the last game of the round was Essendon and North Melbourne. And once again, a result you very much expected. Didn't quite expect Essendon to win so dominantly. Um, I thought after their win last week, North may have put up a little bit more of a fight, but they did not. Um, they're still doing okay, North. They're just going to get smashed sometimes. That's what happens. Um, and Essendon, Essendon, uh, every week I am convinced more and more that they are heading in the right direction. Most teams are heading in the right direction. There are some that are going backwards. St Kilda being one, Collingwood, Hawthorne, like 
there are even some teams who are sort of staying around the mark, even like a Carlton, I would say, sort of staying around the mark, not going backwards. Um, but Essendon are a team that's moving forward. They are going in the right direction. They have got their youngsters absolutely nailed. They they did really, really well with their drafting over the last couple of years. Really, really well. And they've unleashed Parrish into the midfield. They traded in Peter Wright, who's an absolute gun. Picked up Nick Hind, who's an absolute gun. Like, they're going to be just fine. Essendon, if I'm an Essendon fan, I'm excited. Like Just be patient for the rest of this year. Um, nothing huge is going to happen, but they're going to, you know, keep getting some good wins. And then next year, look out for them as a team who can challenge for the eight. Maybe it, it'll be tough for them to get in. This will be a little bit young, but they'll be one of those teams just outside, I would say. Top 10 potential next year, Essendon. Um, apart from that, it wasn't, you know, oh, Cam Zerhar's mark. How good was that? That was a ripper. I actually think that's probably the best mark of the year. I, I love it when not only is it a specky, but the player has to like reach back and extend their entire body to reach the ball. I love those kind of marks. Like obviously the Moorcroft mark is very, very famous and it's one of those. He stretches all the way and that's what Zoha had to do. I preferred that kind of mark to what Bolton did a few weeks ago. So for me... This mark from Zerhar is the front runner at the moment for mark of the year because it was an absolute ripper. And it's good that he can continue to deliver highlights for the North fans because it's going to be a lean year, um, but he's still got that bit of X factor. And they've got lots of, lots of good young players in North Melbourne. I would consider North Melbourne another club that's heading in the right direction. At least they fucking know where they're at. <sighs> Just going to get upset about St Kilda again. All right, so that will do. For this week, guys, thanks so much for listening. Remember to like and subscribe and review the podcast for me. I really appreciate it, and I will catch you guys next time. Bye.